Well, we are so excited to talk to you today. You know, I personally just want to take the time to introduce you to my cervix sister, Dr. Joy, and talk a little bit about how we found each other and kind of what brought us to this topic today. So I met Joy in, gosh, this is gonna age us. I think it was 2007. <laughs> Girl, no, you are really aging us. Don't we are not that old. You are trying it. No, we are not that old. It was 2012. It was 2012. Okay, 2012. Okay. Girl. We're on the interview trail. Yes, ma'am. And we actually met for the first time. And this is something common that you'll hear a lot of people in our field. But, you know, we do training at medical school level, residency, fellowship. Um, and you have to go on interviews and sometimes you do see some of the same people at interviews or even just make friends amongst the people who you meet. And so Joy and I met at an interview right outside of New York City and just kind of like briefly had an exchange that day and talked and made sure that we got home okay after our pizza lunch at the interview, whatever. <laughs> And then lo and behold, like a well, few wait, months wait. later. You made sure I got home okay because I was on the uh the LIR. The railroad, right? Yes. And so you you and your mom gave me a ride to the train station. So I had to like book. Right. <laughs> she was lingering around somewhere. I don't even know how she did that. Was she waiting for me? It was crazy. So she <laughs> took you to the railroad and my mom still remembers that. She's like, oh, this was so nice. Joy. <laughs> And then we had a surprise. We met up again with another kind of medical opportunity where we were um, senior or last year medical students. And we were part of a project where we got to spend two months in Ghana, mm. um, you know, learning amongst local doctors, uh, doing some health education there, really just a way to kind of, you know, both learn from the communities and try to find ways that we could give back as, as medical students. And it was definitely like a life-changing experience. We lived in these little compounds and very rural areas and worked in a hospital every day. The hospital is like almost in our backyard. And it was incredible. It so was. here we and are. We were years later. We were roommates. We were roommates. Um, yeah. And both went into OBGYN. So. Yes. Yes. And it's funny because I will say like just that trajectory backing up, like who can believe that was like 2012 into 2013 when we graduated from medical school. But that like, you know, 10 years later, it's like, oh yeah, we saw each other's life. Like, you know, the group chat is still going. And I think that's part of why we went to this podcast just because, you know, this is like my, we call them CME in the medical field, uh, continuing medical education. But this is like my CME homie, like, okay, girl, this on fertility. That's right. Okay, I'm trying to do this. What can I do with that's for free without sending them to you? And honestly, I feel like we really are service sisters because yes, we are like literally, you know, by day and by night, you know, trying to serve the sisters at their cervix, but also just, you know, like really being able to transform the way women experience women's health, whether that's like, you know, through this podcast, whether that's when we were in Ghana, um, giving this like, you know, this extra level of care, which I do remember of like, you know, oh, this is how we would do this or you know, just doing like the, the medical rounds we used to do back then. Um, I feel like we really are cervix sisters. We're definitely, the cervix is the door into the reproductive system, essentially. And so we there, we sisters. Yep. I mean, there's so much for us that we have connected on throughout the years and so many different topics. So we just really can't wait to share all with you. 
you know, one thing that we do talk about a lot and, you know, what Dr. Joy and I do is kind of keep each other up to date. There's so much in medicine to, you know, stay abreast of, you know, uh, recommendations change, research changes, uh, society changes, and we want to keep up and we want to keep our patients abreast too. And so, you know, what's most important for us is keeping our girlfriends up to date. And, you know, one of the biggest things that's changed over even the course of our lifetimes is pap smear guidelines. Um, and so we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, why we do paps, you know, what's different, what do you need to look out for? You know, essentially a pap smear, or it's short for Papa Nicolau, which was one of the researchers who actually came up with this way to screen cells from the cervix but it's a screening test for cervical cancer. And, you know, one of the most important things is that cervical cancer, once upon a time, was very common in reproductive age women, um, was a leading cause of death in women, um, and particularly hard amongst Black women in the United States and around the world. Um, but with the, the advent of um, the pap smear, the pap test, you could look at the cells on the cervix and kind of detect these early precancerous changes so that hopefully you could intervene before it progressed to cancer. And that's something that we continue to do today where we'll do a screening to look at the cells. The biggest change though is the um, addition of HPV screening. So HPV is for a uh, human papillomavirus and it's one of the most common viruses implicated in the transition from normal cervical cells into cervical cancer cells. So and so on, what we found- Peter, You're doing a lot of medical leads now. Running ooh, back again, what's the ooh. HPV again? Just cause I just H wanna make sure people know cause we, you know, we that's throw it important terms. though. It's so important, HPV, which is not HIV. It or stands HSV. for human or HSV because we got a lot of, you know, um, letters, word salad in our field. Um, but that's human papillomavirus. Um, it's very, very common. It's present in probably up to 90% of sexually um, active people men, women, non-binary, everybody. And so it's a very, very common virus. And in most cases, you, at some point, you may be exposed and your immune mm -hmm. system has a response and your immune system may clear the virus with time. But for women in particular, we're trying to um, screen so that this exposure to this virus does not cause a progression to cervical cancer. And that's really the whole point of staying up to date with your pap smear is to prevent progression to cervical cancer. And what I tell my patients, honestly, is like a pap smear is essentially like an exfoliating off of cells. So we use like a little plastic stick or broom, depending on what your clinic uses, and then an actual brush. Um, you can do two steps or there's one step, depending on the company. But basically, it's just trying to like get a little bit of those cells. You know how you just got little cells just hanging on things? I know you don't know, but that's how it is. <laughs> But basically, just get tiny little bit of cells that can look under the microscope just to see what is. And even now with technology, it's not even under the microscope. Sometimes it's in a machine to figure out how many cells are abnormal to try and stage, you know, what is the grade of this pap smear, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So that goes into our so, medical ease word of the day. <laughs> medical ease. So I thought that talking a little bit about colposcopy which is something that people maybe hear about and, you know, always kind of trips up the tongue a little bit, but just to know what it is and where it comes in. 
So copo is the Greek word for cervix. Okay, and scope. Now. You sound like you in church. Scope, right? <laughs> is to look. So coposcope, it is to look at the cervix. And we use this usually if you get some sort of abnormal reading um, from the pap smear, which is just that exfoliation of cells. And then sometimes we do the molecular testing where we test for the HPV virus amongst those cells. If it comes back abnormal and we need to kind of get a little bit of a further look, the next step would be the colposcopy, where we um, actually look at the um, cervix with a very high magnification, a microscope, we may use some different um, topical solutions to help abnormal cells stand out to our eye. And in that way, we can really better assess what's going on with the cervix. Is there an area that maybe we need to biopsy, which means to take a small portion of those cells? Is there an area that needs to be removed because we're so concerned that it could be either cancer or precancer? And so maybe people who have had an abnormal pap smear may remember needing a, a coposcope or a coposcopy afterwards. And if you ever have to have that, we want you to know that that's a normal next step. It's super important for us to do. Um, and it can be, you know, again, it could be life-saving because again, if we do type of precancer and we excise it, you know, our hope is that the cervix regenerates and then the cancer and the precancer is gone. Perfect. Okay. We ran that on coposcope. So we got the grease. We got all that in there. Okay. Yeah. Also on culture care, which I'm the CEO of, and I know this is a shameless plug, ourculturecare.com. Yes. But really... <laughs> We do have patients who come to us like, hey, I have questions about like my pap smear management because there are these great areas where you can go either way. And sometimes, you know, the one thing I like about the new app, the app has been upgraded for the ASCCP, is that it actually tells you the percentage of people that can have cervical cancer in the next five years. And so mm. because you don't want to lose people and they become more strict about like actually doing more follow up after people have excisions or abnormal pap smears to make sure that we're not losing people. But you really want that percentage to be less than one percent. Like you really want it to be like 0.4%. That's like a common one. When they tell you that you have to come back and you know, you can go back to like come back in three years or five years for a pap smear, that means like your your risk is less, way less than one percent. And so really the key part is to just stay engaged. And then also if you have questions, you can get a second opinion. That's what people don't realize is that you, you have that right. And now that you know medical records are easily more more easily accessible, you can ask a doctor like me. You can just go see another OBGYN in your neighborhood. Um, but really, culture care exists so that there's second opinions because we we know that Black women suffer more from cervical cancer um, in deadly ways, at least, and mm -hmm. that we're not getting the screening that we need. And that's a part of that is the system not being trustworthy. You know, it's not just us not trusting it, but the system's not trustworthy enough that people won't judge you when you come in or they'll do an exam that's actually nice and gentle and mm -hmm. mindful of, I've heard some really bad things people say to patients when they're getting a, a public exam. So you want to feel comfortable. So it's not, you know, all your fault, but this is your life. And so that's why we want you to take the reins to get the care you need. Yeah, to be in control. I think that's so important. All right, so now it is time for our Around the Way Girl segment. So Around the Way Girl, in case you did not hear our first episode, is really where we shout out girlfriends, basically. And so, you know, our podcast is the MD Girlfriends Experience because of our relationship, but also our relationship with our patients. That you have that patient-doctor relationship that sometimes goes beyond just like, just the minutia of like, oh, your labs and this and that, but it really, you feel it. And um, I have a little teal in this dress over here. Um, that is the color for the ribbon for cervical cancer. And our Round the Way Girl, this <laughs> episode, sorry, I'm really getting choked up. 
This episode is dedicated to a patient of mine from residency. Sorry, I wasn't expecting to be like this, but okay, we were very similarly aged and both from Philly and she fought so hard. And we met one night when, you know, I just was on call and, you know, they called me, there's an emergency with this patient and I go to, you know, help her. She was bleeding and it was a crazy intense night. And it was kind of like we had a trauma bond after that. Like, you know, every time <laughs> she was in the hospital, she apparently when I, you know, the problem with me though, is that I say quotes that I don't realize. I hate when people quote me back to myself because I say crazy stuff, especially when I work nights. So I apparently I said to her, like, look, you rocking with the best, you know, don't worry, I got you. And so she always like, she helped me to that. She's like, you know, you always say I, I'm rocking with the best. Come on, give me the best. And so <laughs> I just loved her because she was just herself. She was so genuine. She really was like black girl magic, like could literally turn that place out if she was unhappy, but also make everybody die laughing if she just wanted to like hit mm -hmm. around. She really knew what it was like to have to demand for your pain medicine. We know what the healthcare system is, but she found ways to really like find a, like, find a clinician that she really loved and get them to advocate for her. Not only me, but the doctor who was her actual um, attending physician, um, she made sure we all like advocated for her like no other. And I remember the last time I saw her, I happened to go home um, to Philly after moving to California. And, I, you know, I would go back to my, like, you know, my hospital, I did residency is like home. Like that was like a second home. I like essentially lived there for four years. And so one of the residents told me like, you know, she's admitted. And so I went to go see her and we just hugged each other. Like it was just so good to see her um, because she got me. She knew what it took for me to get where I am now. She was there, saw me in the trenches. Um, during all her many admissions. And while she is not on earth today, I think she will want you to know that no matter how young you are, no matter uh, who you are, just get the screening. You know, she, it was too late for her when she found out. She found a very like high stage, I think it was like stage three. And she found out when she had cancer and a lot was done to sustain her life for her two children. Um, but, and she didn't make it, but she really taught me what it's like to have that patient doctor relationship that you don't only just sew into them and yes, you're giving them medicine and giving them, you know, advocating for them, but that they really make you feel like, you know, I really felt like I was a good doctor, even though, you know, especially as a, you know, a, a trainee when you're like, Oh, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know, you know, but she really gave me the confidence that to, that I was doing right. Not only by her, but just in general as a physician. So when we, you know, talk about around the way girls, it's not just, you know, us as around the way girls, it's our patients, it's you, our listeners. So we love for you to give us um, people that you want us to highlight or even stories or scenarios or questions you have. Like everybody's a girlfriend, basically. Everybody's a girlfriend and everybody's welcome at the MB Girlfriends experience. So shout out to my OG around the way girl patient. Love it. Love it. Love you for sharing that story. I know that meant so much to you. And it oh my was, gosh, I was not prepared to cry. I've not talked about her in so long. Such a hard experience to go through, but also, you know, beautiful that you guys had each other through, you know, incredibly difficult times in both your lives, you know, in a sense. So um, thank you for sharing. No, thanks. And here's where to find us. Hi, I'm Dr. Joy Cooper. I am a board certified obstetrician gynecologist based in the Bay Area of California. 
I am currently not seeing patients in person anymore. I'm completely 100% telehealth. You can find me at Culture Care. Our website is OURculturecare.com because we do it for the culture, our culture. We are a telemedicine startup that is connecting Black women with Black physicians at the cost of a copay. So if you would love to see me and you're based in California and New York shortly, you can just go on our website and see me. I am Dr. Tia Jackson Bay. I'm a board certified obstetrician, gynecologist, and infertility specialist. The long name for that is reproductive endocrinology and infertility is my field. I'm based in Brooklyn, New York, and you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Tia Jackson Bay. Thanks for joining us and don't forget to subscribe and check out our website, MDGF exp.com. Have a great one, girlfriends.